1: Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Uh, Michael Singer, so glorious to be able to sit and have a conversation with you today. You know, I couldn't count the number of untethered souls I have given over the years. First of all, it's required reading for my senior class uh, at the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy. And before the pandemic, every year I would go back and I would teach from chapters eight and nine, let go now or fall, (laughs) and the chapter nine regarding the thorns. It's one of the most important books, I think, of my spiritual growth and development. And now you've written a sequel called Living Untethered Beyond the Human Predicament. And everybody, you should know it's available wherever you buy your books. And here we are in 2022. The last time you and I spoke was 2012. And the world looks a lot different than it did in 2012. Why was now, you you thought, the right time to write a sequel to The Untethered Soul.
2: There there are questions that come in from people who are so sincere with The Untethered Soul. And we get a lot of questions and a lot of comments on how well everybody's doing. And it was just obvious that we can go another level deeper and just make sure that it's clear. And so uh, to me, people should write books when they have something to say. And that time came.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I believe. People should (laughs) write books only when they have something to say and not because they have a contract that says another book is due, (laughs) which often happens, you know. You quote the great 13th century Persian poet Rumi saying, yesterday, I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today, I am wise, so I'm changing myself. And that seems to me to be the through line of this book. Would you agree? Changing ourselves or adapting to what is. Absolutely. Eventually, you figure out that I am the problem,
2: all right? I think my favorite line in that book is, the moment in front of you is not bothering you. You're bothering yourself about the moment in front
1: of you. Oh, that's one of my favorite lines, too. If you contemplate that, you see you
2: got some work to do on yourself.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The moment in front of you is not bothering you, ever. It's what you're thinking about that's right. and, and angsting about the moment that's in front of you. So let's talk about that voice inside the head that you so profoundly made clear to us in The Untethered Soul. I think you explained this idea in a way that makes it really easy, I think, for all of us to understand. You say, we're not the voice we hear inside of our head. You also say, we're not our bodies, that we're deeper presence beyond what we hear and see. How do you define the real you inside each of us, the real I.
2: What I like to do, Oprah, is to make it intuitive as opposed to intellectual, all right? Yeah, So yeah. the question becomes, are you in there? I have never asked anybody, no matter how straight they were or non-spiritual, are you in there? And they said, no, all right? I said, yeah, I'm in here. That's the start of realizing who you are, that you're inside. And then you just, you see the book, ask the questions. If you look at your hand, you see your hand. Who sees your hand? You see your hand, right? And so by the time you peel the layers back, you see that there is a consciousness, and awareness inside, and then are you willing to say you see your thoughts? I go into great depth in the book, having you create a thought and realize it's there because you created it. Are there thoughts that are there that you don't create, they just kind of talk and talk and talk? And it's the same you who sees these things. So by peeling the onion back, you realize who you are in there is the one that's in there. I don't want to intellectualize it. I just want to say, are you in there? And the book, as you know, you read it, does ask some interesting questions. Like, were you in there 10 years ago? Right, was it you looking in the mirror that saw yourself? And you stop for a moment, you say, yeah yeah, I I was in here, all right? So who are you and how old are you? And et cetera, et cetera. The book goes very deep into those questions.
1: Yeah, very deep into that. Don't go anywhere, more to come after this short break.
0: No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally-recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, Visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash Get Your Own to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash Get Your Own. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at macys.com or in store. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
1: Um, you say, MICHAEL, THAT THERE ARE ONLY THREE THINGS WE EXPERIENCE INSIDE OF OURSELVES. WALK US THROUGH WHAT THEY ARE, THE WORLD COMING IN THROUGH OUR SENSES, OUR THOUGHTS, AND OUR EMOTIONS.
2: THAT'S CORRECT. I CALL IT THE THREE-RING CIRCUS, OKAY? Mm -hmm. SO, ONCE YOU REALIZE YOU'RE IN THERE, WHICH, HOPEFULLY, EITHER BECAUSE OF THE PREVIOUS BOOKS THAT I AND OTHER GREAT PEOPLE HAVE WRITTEN, PEOPLE WAKE UP AND REALIZE, YES, YOU'RE RIGHT, I'M IN HERE. What are you doing in there? What's it like to be in there? Not do you like it, not you know do you have a problem. I'm not, I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, right? right? It's just you're sitting in there and literally from an, a scientific point of view, what are you experiencing in there? And so one thing you experience is you have five senses and that's the only reason you see this world, all right, is because you have five senses. If you did not have the five senses, the world would be going on and you wouldn't know it. But because your senses send the messages back to you, that's one thing you experience. Sight, sound, taste, uh, touch, smell. And they're coming in. But that's not the only thing that comes in. Well, it's the only thing that comes in. It's not not the only thing you experience. You have thoughts going on in there. You have emotions going on in there. So the question becomes, where do they come from? What are they made of? Why am I experiencing this? And what can I do about it? So you're just starting. Buddhists say work from the root, okay? The root is you're in there, And you're experiencing these things can we start there and have a discussion
1: Mm, i thought it was effective how you set the table for us at the beginning with a brief history of the physical universe and what scientists have learned to be true and i wonder why did you start with explaining how humans we humans fit into this grand scheme of things like the earth the sun and the stars
2: well basically where i started and, and i i I like astronomy a lot, all right? And so I wanted to share it with the readers, is where did all of this come from? And what you realize, as scientists have taught us, it's all atoms, and that's everything we're interacting with. Well, where did they come from? And so there is a section in the book that describes how the stars, which most people don't know or think about, that literally those stars up there are not just twinkly little nice things that are romantic, all right? They are literally factories that create all the atoms that we deal with every single day with no exception and so i thought that was worth sharing okay and then humans basically when the earth got formed uh, by the atoms pulling themselves together with gravity then evolution took place
1: and we ended up being here and here we are I love what you write when you say, unfortunately, life on Earth rarely unfolds exactly as we want it to. And if we resist, our experience can be quite unpleasant. And that only by accepting reality can we work with the flow of life as it passes by and create a better world. All of science is based on studying reality, learning her laws, and then working with those laws to improve our lives. For a spiritual book, you use science quite often to inform these ideas. How do science and spirituality work in tandem? They, they should be complete
2: the, the, because truth is truth. How's that? All right. And spiritual spirituality is about truth. It, you know, it's not about beliefs. It's about truth. And what the scientists are doing is helping us find deep truths. And one of the things they have found, which is really amazing to me, is that by the time they look past the atoms, past the molecules, past the electron, electron neutrons and protons, they find this thing called the quantum field, which is pure light. And the scientists are literally telling us what spirituality has told us for a long time, which is the whole thing is made of light. Now, when you hear that spiritually, you question how can how can be how can every single thing I see be made of light? Your scientists are telling you that that when they got down there to the quantum field, that there is no form; it's really just waves of energy, pure light, and they can explain how you go from that light to the uh, uh, subatomic particles that make the electrons and protons. And so, to me, that just blows my mind. I'm sorry, right? That we now have scientists telling us what spirituality has told us from the beginning of time which is, it's all made of light.
1: Well, as you know, modern culture seems to be divided between either you believe in God or you believe in science. Uh-huh. Why do you think this either or opposition has, has, has prevailed? Because of the mind, mm. because people have formed in their
2: minds concepts and views. I said that was one of the three things you look at in there, your mind. Well, unfortunately, your mind has taken over. Okay, and it's just basically what do I believe, what do I like, what do I not like, etc. And so then basically that's where you live, inside the mind. If you are willing to let go of that and look at reality, total reality, what you will see is that God fits in just fine, (laughs) right? The fact that there'd be a creator of everything is a wonderful thing. And the fact that science can take this field of pure God, pure energy, and bring it up to where we see it as form, as beautiful,
1: and that's where they merge. Well, you know, you you, you write that resistance is the beginning of what you call the fall from the garden. I, I love this section where you talk about clinging and suppression. It's what causes us to lose touch with the magnificence of life and creation that you use the example of how we react to a butterfly or to a rattlesnake. So can you explain this idea of clinging and suppression? Right, well it starts with, and the book goes into great detail as you know, Mm -hmm. it starts with where did mine
2: come from? All right. And what you realize is that the world is coming in, it comes into your senses and normally it flows all the way back into this deep experience of wholeness and fullness you experience. And then what happens is the self, the consciousness, that which is in there doesn't always be comfortable with everything that comes in. And so instead of experiencing it and letting it pass, it resists it and holds it away from itself, or if it really liked it, it clings to it and holds it. And that result is that's how you build the personal mind, by holding these thoughts and experiences inside the mind instead of letting them come all the way through and having a full experience. They used to call it a gestalt, all right? That it would just come all the way through. So basically, when you cling or you resist, you started to build a mind instead of reality. Reality already passed through. The rattlesnake's gone. The butterfly's gone. But not inside of you. You held it inside of you. And that becomes a challenge to the real world that you're more interested in the stuff you held on to in your mind, in your psyche, than you are in what's happening in front of you at that moment. And that's where you get lost. And that's what I call the fall from the garden. Because yeah. now you're not dealing with God. You're not dealing with reality. You're dealing with your thoughts. Yeah,
1: it's, it's also what you talk about in Untethered, Chapter 8, in letting go Now, or you fall dead into whatever it is that's consuming you. Um, You say most of us lead lives devoted to meeting our demands. Uh, I would say, correct. Finding the perfect job, having the best relationship, the best house, the best car. When life doesn't align with our personal preferences, a lot of people become upset agitated, angry, resentful, fearful. And you say, we are never gonna be okay inside if we always get what we want. And I was like, really? I think that's what everybody's striving for.
2: Right, the problem is the world is not unfolding in accordance to what you want. You have to go out there and try to find or make things be the way you want. Nobody has ever succeeded fully doing that all the time. That's where anxiety and fears and self, all kinds of stuff comes from, all right? So you may think you're all right, but what you're doing is working and stressing to get these things. Even beautiful relationships don't always unfold exactly the way we want. In fact, they never do, all right? And so this concept of getting what you want every time leaves you stressed. Because if you feel that's the only way I can be okay is to get what I want, whereas there's a much higher way to be okay, and that is to be okay. Instead of don't make a mess of your mind and then try to match it with the world, clean up inside and feel the joy and natural high that you have inside, and then you can enjoy the world, however it
0: unfolds. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Something should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu.
1: This is what I love. I love that you say... You decided long ago to let go of your own personal preferences and let life call the shots. You know, we, we talk a lot on Oprah Daily about c- creating the life you want, living your best life. That seems counterintuitive to that. But I also know that you're talking about learning how to surrender to what is. So how does that actually work? Allowing life to call the shots and you be okay with it because aren't we co-designing with life all the time? The highest state is to realize
2: you are the most beautiful thing that ever walked the face of the earth, always. Not, not conditionally, because you met somebody or because you got the job you wanted or you got a raise. Nothing wrong with those things, okay? Yeah. You're welcome to interact with the world. But inside, there is a place inside, and you know that, that is absolutely beautiful. You're gonna call it a river of joy that's always flowing inside of you that brings you into a state of love, ecstasy. People call it God, I I don't don't wanna put a name on it, right? But it is in there, that's who you are. The self that's experiencing things has that nature of beauty. Get there first, then come out and enjoy and unfold and give and participate and create. That to me is the co-creation. You're doing it from not a place of need, I don't call that co-creation. That's I'm not okay, and so I'm going to take stuff from everybody else. I'm whole and complete within myself. I feel joy every second of my life. I want to share it. I feel love, I wanna share it. So it doesn't mean you don't get married, It doesn't mean you don't have children, doesn't mean you don't have a job, doesn't mean you don't create, but you do it from a sense of love, of wholeness, not out of need. That's where all the trouble comes from, is that people have convinced themselves they need all these things when they don't. They're whole and complete within themselves. But because they did this clinging and and building the psyche, they're looking at that and that's not okay. How can your psyche be okay when it's made out of everything that bothered you? You understand that? Everything that ever
1: bothered you, you kept inside of you. Absolutely. So how do you expect to be okay? Well, That's what's so wonderful about living untethered is that when you're able to do that, you're literally coming from the truth of yourself, from the purest parts of yourself. And so that everything that comes out of that, your house, your yeah. car, your friends, your relationships, yeah. your love life, all of that is coming from this wellspring of you know the the river joy that's flowing inside of you now the question i know yes. that everybody would want is how do you get there how do you get to the river joy
2: well you start by asking why am i not so that's why this book is so nice yeah. it asks it doesn't say how how do i get what i want it says why am i not okay why am i not okay and you stop and you realize how can i be okay if i collected everything that ever bothered me throughout my life inside of me How do I expect to be okay? And now you expect your relationships or your jobs and your money to make offset that. Well, it's not gonna offset that. You're just gonna keep struggling. So you look and you see, I'm not okay because I stored all this stuff inside of me. So now it becomes a question of how do I let that go? And that becomes the answer to living the highest life you can is keep letting go. Let go of this garbage you held inside and then people won't bother you they're bothering you because they're hitting your stuff how's that okay and if you can let go of your stuff they're hitting
1: the thorn they're hitting the thorns that you've buried inside yeah
2: that's correct so get let's get them out
1: i don't think people understand what that really means though to let them pass through you know as as i said i teach uh untethered soul at my school and i'm teaching it to 12th graders who you know, literally the, the, the weeks before they're going off to college and moving into the world. And it's not usually until like sophomore, junior year that I hear back from them that they get it. And I was just talking to okay. one, of, one of my, I call them daughter girls, who said, I said, oh, I'm gonna interview Michael Singer today. And she says, oh my gosh, I think I've read that book 10 times since college. So I think it takes a while to actually get this idea of what it means to let it pass through. Can you explain? I can.
2: When you store this stuff inside, it messes up your energy flow. It's
1: like putting a rock inside of a stream. It creates all kinds of currents and and problems. So I think, Michael, first of all, people must know that they have an energy flow and that you can either move in the direction of that flow or you're always pushing against the current of that flow. Right. They all know they have energy. When they have something they like, they
2: get all excited. They get all this energy inside. When something happens they don't like, they get depressed. They get
1: closed down. That is your energy flow. That's the variations in your energy flow. I think it takes a long time to figure out how to let things pass through, actually. Once you understand
2: that things hit you, people say something, a lover says a word, you don't, you know, they don't, don't treat you the way you want to be treated, and you notice this change happen inside, yeah. sometimes that change can lift you. Sometimes it can, it can depress you and bring you down. You have the right to work with that. You have the right to say, what happened is this hit what I call my stuff. This hit something I stored inside. Something my father said my mother didn't do. My first boyfriend, whatever it is, it hits stuff that's stored inside. You have to learn to stay centered enough to where you notice that's what happened and decide, I don't want to be like that. I wanna be able to handle the world that's unfolding in front of me. And so what you do, and it works, people around me all the time, it works. You relax. You relax inside and try to let the energy pass by you instead of reacting to the energy, pushing it away, complaining. You just get into the mode of realizing I have the ability to do this. I have the ability, everyone has that ability. Not easy necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. But that's why in the book I talk about the low-hanging fruit, Yep. that there there are things every day you can do to practice letting go. So that's how I teach it.
1: Okay, so you also say that if we don't let go of the difficult experiences in our lives, including the traumas, they become lodged in our psyches and cause what you call blockages, literally like blocking the flow of the stream. Yes. People have always been fascinated or terrified by, by dreams, and you say there's no difference between our waking and sleeping subconscious and that there can actually be spiritual growth in our dreams. I know this is true, but can you explain it? Well, what I teach in this book is that your blockages
2: are what cause that voice inside your head to talk all the time. Your inner great being, call it God, whatever you want, wants to release. The energy always wants to go up. It's trying to go up, but it's hitting your blockages. And so there's this constant attempted healing that your mind and heart are doing to push those blockages out of the way, like the thorn mm-hmm. that we talk about, mm-hmm. all right? And the more it pushes up, the more your mind will, will express what's being released. So in your dreams, as Freud taught, they are the releasing of these suppressed or repressed thoughts and emotions that come up in your dreams. When you're awake, you don't let that happen because they bother you. But when you're asleep, it is the same energy. That's what I teach in this book. It is the exact same energy that's causing that voice to talk all day telling you what you don't like as the energy that's releasing in your dreams. And so if you're willing to release this energy in a dream, it's less blocked than it would have been if you didn't have the dream. So there is spiritual growth inside of a dream in that way.
1: You write about three techniques for freeing ourselves, positive thinking, having a mantra, witness consciousness. Let's talk about positive thinking first. You write about a simple, healthy exercise we can do every time we have a negative thought. I think this is fantastic. What is it? Okay.
2: It is every time you have a negative thought, which is to me, uh, I call those automatic thoughts. They're just coming by themselves. You didn't make it happen. It just came up by itself. You can replace it willfully with a positive thought. So, if your mind all of a sudden says, "I don't want to see David, he hurt me last time, just sit there and say, "I'd like to work out with David, our problem. I don't want to be like that. Just you willfully replace the negative thought, which is just an automatic thought of your suppressed right? stuff releasing itself. Replace it with a positive, willful thought, and it will change your life.
1: I think you know, I tell people to have to have a, a, a shelf, a storage, of positive thoughts that you can go to when the negative stuff shows but, up. Do you do that? I,
2: I, I, to the extent, if I have a problem with my mind, which of course is much better after 50 years, but I hope, but if I have a problem with my mind and it's not just going through, all right, I will change what it's saying to a positive thing. I use the example in the book. Let's say it's hot. You just walk around, oh, it's so hot. Oh my God, I'm dying, it's so hot. That's ridiculous, right? How, what good is that to say that inside your mind? It just makes you miserable, right. right? And so I have my mind say, you know, there's a sun 93 million miles away, a star. It's close enough, 93 million miles away. It is so hot that you're complaining about feeling its heat. That's amazing, right? In Miami, what would the what, I'm in Florida, 350 miles away from Miami. How hot would a fire have to be for me to feel it in Gainesville, Florida? The whole town would have to be on fire. I don't think I could ever do it. And this thing's 93 million miles away, and you're complaining that you feel the heat? You should be rejoicing. It's a miracle. It's amazing. That's how science can help you, by the way.
1: (laughs) right? By bringing reality into the show instead of your stupid little personal complaints. You also mentioned mantras. You believe in mantras. How do mantras help us? Well, I... The way I teach mantra in this book, I don't teach mantra, but the way I mentioned this book, I don't
2: want it to be an Indian, Hindu, yogic thing. No. It's basically saying you can replace your negative thoughts with a positive thought, but that's a lot of work, okay, to do that all the time. You can also, have you ever noticed that you can have a song going on in your mind by itself that you can't even stop if you try to? What if instead of a song... It was saying, I love God, or I'm the happiest person in the world, and the happiest person in the world. That's a mantra too, by the way, all right? I'm always okay. I'm always okay. And that got instilled in a deeper layer of your mind than the one that's doing the silly talking, right? And the next thing you know, it's going on all the time. It's just sitting there reminding you, without any effort. You don't have to replace it with a positive thought. It's already going on in there because you just repeated it over and over again during your meditation time or during driving. And the next thing you know, like the song, except this is much nicer than a song, right? It's going on inside your head. And now what happens when the voice starts, you know what I mean by the voice, you just lean back, you just lean back and all of a sudden it's saying, God, God, or, or I'm happy, I'm always happy, I wanna always be happy whatever suits yeah. you it doesn't have to be some sanskrit yeah. mantra
1: my, my favorite that i've taught my girls over the years is things are always working out for me
2: there you go things are always
1: <laughs> working out for me because things always do and i think if most people That's listening right. to us right now if you if you're still here if you're still standing and you're a full-blown adult and been through some stuff things are always working out for you. So that is one that you yes. can repeat to yourself and actually believe. Do you have a couple of others?
2: Everyone's going to be different. Yes. You understand that? Uh-huh. A religious person will like to say, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, or a Buddha, whatever it is, right? And if somebody who's not religious will sit there and say, I didn't create this world, I'm experiencing reality. You know, the scientist can say, it's so personal what works for you that you feel comfortable with, that I just want to tell people, if you will put that layer in your mind, it will change your life. Of course it will, right? You're taking a shower. What goes on in your mind now? Instead, you start hearing this beautiful, beautiful phrase going on inside. So, you know, different strokes for different folks. Absolutely. That's how I look at it. But
1: let's get back to the surrender thing again, because I think the thing that causes most people such anxiety in the world, such stress, such angst all the time, is not being able to accept the present moment. And you right. talk a lot about this, about you know being able to release yourself into what actually is, which we've talked a little bit about before, but can you talk more about that, about the misery caused by not accepting what is? Well, the reality, one of the phrases, the sentences
2: in the book, which I really like, says, right, no one has ever been able to make something not happen that already happened, period. <laughs> you may not want it to happen again, right? You may do whatever you want, but if it happened, it's over. That's real, all right? So you only have a choice, all right? Either you resist or you accept. you getting it right down. It's simple right. stuff, right? If it already happened, somebody said something, okay? Either you resist it or you accept it. Where do you see the difference? If you resist it, It causes all kinds of trouble inside of you. It hits all the stuff from before. All kinds of disturbance happens inside. If you start off by saying, well, at that moment, it's reality. That's what they said. I can handle that. I can accept that. Doesn't mean I'm not going to do anything about it. (laughs) It doesn't matter if I'm going to work with it. But my starting position is not one of reactive resistance. That will change your life. Mm.
1: In the process, we mentioned this a moment ago, of releasing or letting go, you recommend practicing with simple things you call the low-hanging fruit. Can you give us some more examples of the low-hanging fruit?
2: Yeah, one, one thing I found really early in my growth was that he, he is really sensitive about the weather, right? Certain time, He likes it between 68 and 72, with the humidity below 50%. The wind between, I don't know, two and five, right? It's just, that's crazy, right? Therefore, you're not okay in all the other things. Why did it have to rain today? Oh my God, the wind's blowing my hair. I just had it done. All kinds of complaints about the weather. So let's start with the weather. What good did any one of those complaints do? And the answer is nothing. It didn't change the weather. Why are I you doing know. it then? I Why know. are you doing it? Would you, eat, would you eat food that made you sick and do it over and over again? No, right? You would try to eat a way that makes you feel good. Those thoughts do nothing good. I call them a 100% a cost-benefit analysis, 100% cost, zero benefit. All right, you're a business person, all right? Would you pick, pick an a offer that was 100% cost and zero benefit? That's what complaining about the weather does. That's a low-hanging fruit. What do you mean? Work with it. Don't get into it, realize you're hurting yourself by complaining about something that you can't change and there's nothing wrong with it, it's just
1: weather. Give me a break. <laughs> That's what I mean by low hanging fruit. I love it. You say that besides the physical world our thoughts and emotions. There's a fourth energy that flows inside of us. Some cultures call it chi or spirit. In the book you use the yogic term shakti and you write that the highest use of this energy is transmutation. And that is the very essence of spirituality. So we could spend literally hours just exploring Shakti and the idea of transportation. Can you help us to understand that just a bit? I, I will. If
2: you, if you understand the foundation we've talked yeah. about so far, which is that you've stored everything that ever bothered you inside of you. Yeah. Okay. That blocks you. It has to, right? It blocks the flow of your natural energy. So what happens is the world unfolds. Or your thoughts unfold. You can, you can cause yourself trouble without any help from anybody else. You know that. I <laughs> Just have thoughts right. that bother you, right? So if if something happens that causes a disturbed energy inside, that's not hard to find those things, is it? Okay. At that moment, you realize my energy flow hit a blockage, and that caused emotions that are not comfortable, caused thoughts that are not comfortable. If you can relax, like we yeah. talked about earlier. They, like, what people try to do, they try to make the disturbance relax. The disturbance will not relax. It's a disturbance. But you who's experiencing the disturbance have the right to relax. You have the right. And massage, it hurts mm-hmm. sometimes, doesn't it? Right? And you're told to just relax through it. I love that. Yoga, you can get into positions. They say relax through it. I'm saying this is inner inner massage, inner yoga. Relax in the face of the disturbance. And the energy, I guarantee you, over time... The energy will find its way up. It will find its way past the blockage and it will start to feed you. That to me is what Christ meant by, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that leaveth the mouth of God. In other words, there's energy inside that can feed you directly. You don't have to get it from outside. And if you're willing to let go of your blockage, let go where the energy hits, Relax. And you'll find that over time, it finds a way around your blockage and actually melts your blockage as it's flowing. Spirit can melt all these disturbances and these blockages. Next thing you know, every day of your life, you're higher than you were before. That is transmutation yeah. of the energy. And
1: it's also, sometimes it could happen all at once if you're ready for it, I think. And, other, and, and other, what, what else you're describing, And other times it's it's a little bit at a time. You just get lighter and you keep keep practicing it and you get better at it. You get better and better at letting go and not holding on to things and not falling into the abyss of it. Yeah, that's right. And you say that if we don't release our stored pain, we continue to live with the same old dysfunctional patterns, which is what we're seeing in the world, stuck in the same life, blaming our bad relationships, our jobs. How do we transmute our energy, Michael, into something uplifting. I think when you transmute it, it automatically comes more uplifting. It is, That energy always wants to go up. I think
2: it's the most important thing that people don't realize. You have a beautiful energy inside of you and it always wants to go up and you're blocking it. Nobody else is in there, you're the only one in there, right? But you've blocked it by holding all this negative stuff inside of you. Everything that ever bothered you, Oprah, it's still inside, all <laughs> right? By letting it go, it transmutes itself. It always goes positive. There's always an upward flow. What you're doing is releasing darkness, if you want to look at it that way, because that, that those stored things you have inside are blocking the light. As you let them go, or no matter what you have to go through, sometimes it's difficult, but you're eventually you'll catch on, I want to go through this. This is called cleansing, spiritual cleansing. I want to go through the releasing of all this stuff inside of me.
1: Um, I think what you write on page 138 so powerful. There's one message uh, here. It's this one. Because after interviewing thousands of people, I have found that the common denominator is everyone just wants to be okay. And you write, every single moment of your life, you're either naturally enjoying what is or letting go of what's keeping you from enjoying what is. If you let go of the wants and fears that are limiting you, you'll always be okay. Letting go of yourself instead of serving yourself is the real paradigm shift. You say this is the way we merge our worldly life and our spiritual life. How so? Well, once you catch on that the name of the game,
2: meaning the meaning of your life, is not to get what you want, because what you want is what you don't have inside. You're not filled. If the energy is flowing inside, I'm glad to tell you, there is no want. You're whole and complete within yourself and that's what you're experiencing all the time. Great joy, great love. If you're not feeling that, it's because you block that. So what the blockage tells you to do is I need this, I need that, I need this to change, I need a new house, I need a new car, I need to be better than this person, I need compliments, Mm -hmm. all right? Because they're compensating for what you're missing inside. Once you catch on that that is not the highest way to live, Okay, the highest way to live is to get rid of those blockages so you feel the joy and the love, and that's the paradigm shift. One way is I need to find things that will compensate for why I'm not okay, and the other is I'm gonna get rid of these blockages inside that are making me not be okay. Those are the two choices you have in your life.
1: I, 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 you and I share the same belief about intention as a daily practice. I learned that from Gary Zukov many years ago, and you say, we can't control the physical world, but inside our minds, there are no limitations. We can set an intention every morning to let go of what is blocking us. Be intentional about that. Explain that a little further. That's- I'm
2: saying that's the meaning of your life. The meaning of your life is to let go of the darkness, the disturbances, and the, co- the blockages that you've stored inside of you. As you do, you become a higher being, and you can share. I, 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 then you are a giver yeah. instead of a taker. Most people are out there, you know what I'm saying, having to need things to be their yeah. way. That's mm-hmm. taking, okay? When you become whole or inside, light, joy, love is coming off of you. You are giving yeah. to everything in life.
1: A lot of this is so complicated, I know, and sounds foreign to people who have not read Untethered Soul. Untethered Soul is one of two books that's always, always by my bedside. And I come back to read it over and over and over and again. And so do my girls, daughter girls. As I was saying earlier, one just told me that she'd read it at least 10 times since graduating from college. And so these concepts are challenging. If you don't understand the most basic principle that Michael Singer talks about, Mr. Singer talking about you um, in The Untethered Soul. And he begins talking about that voice that is incessantly moving in our head and how you come to distinguish the voice from your true self. You are not the voice you are the observer of the voice you are the awareness of the voice but you are not the voice or the voices constantly chatter 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 always in your head and that is fundamental to understanding the principles in living the untethered soul so i hope you will do yourself the spiritual favor and give yourself the spiritual grace actually of reading Untethered Soul. It's, one, it, it's actually been one of the most important books of my journey to spirituality. So everything Michael Singer is saying in Living Untethered and in The Untethered Soul is based on you understanding that you are not your thoughts, that you actually are the awareness of those thoughts. You control the thoughts, the thoughts don't control you. Otherwise, I know, I'm, I'm trying to listen for all the people who are listening around the world who are like, hearing this for the first time, I'm like, what is this guy talking about? So it only works if you understand that fundamentally. Well, I, I that's true,
2: okay, uh, what you're saying is true. I think we go back to the original sentence that we yes. both said we liked in the book, which said, the moment in front of you is not bothering you, you are bothering yourself about the moment in front of you. That goes, they should be able to understand that. People should understand that I'm the one who got upset by what he said, by what Mm -hmm. this person said, all right? Uh, Somebody else didn't get upset by it, okay? I did that inside myself, I bothered myself. How could he say that? Why would he say that? You're welcome to do that, but you'll notice, forget whether you see your thoughts objectively or not. You do see that you're doing that, right? That you are creating that problem inside yourself. I would, like them to, I would like everyone to at least understand there's, a, there's an option to doing that. You can learn not to cause all that trouble inside yourself and then deal with the problem rationally,
1: calmly, and you'll find your life is much better off. And you caution readers not to call themselves enlightened. What are the pitfalls of having a spiritual ego? Oh my God! It's so big. We can <laughs> I long, know. Th- I enough know. Enough time, right? It, you've just
2: replaced you replaced your ego, which you decided I don't want to have. Be like that, okay? With a spiritual ego, and now you want everybody to think of you that way. And you try to win, and you're afraid of talking to people. And how do you dress? And do you look spiritual? And did that sound spiritual? The next thing you know, you got the same ego, except it's talking about spiritual stuff. You didn't do anything.
1: It's incredible. know i know. actually i think it's the worst when people walk around making themselves because they've been to so many conferences and they've meditated and they've sat in the da 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 and now they have the big spiritual egos i'd like to end with this quote on page 191 you write over time you will find there's a place inside you that's behind the commotion of the storm you can simply relax and fall back into that place This is the place from which you are noticing the inner commotion. And this place is still quiet and there are never any storms. That is the seat of self. You don't find your way back to self. You simply cease to leave. If you work on this, you'll come to a beautiful state within that is always there for you. It's a place of refuge. And all you ever need to do is keep letting go. That is the life of surrender. So beautifully written. I can't imagine anyone who doesn't want to live in the state you describe. Do you believe it's possible to be there all the time? Yes. Are you there? Are you there all the time? First of all, I never talk about where I am because there are beings
2: that are much greater than me. That's not we worth talking about, right? But basically, if you will let go of what's keeping you from being there... As opposed to trying to be there, just let go of what, what's keeping you from being there. Uh, you, we talked about Rumi. There was another quote from Rumi that I didn't put into the book, right. which is a nice way to end, right? right? He said, it is not for you to seek love. It is for you to seek and remove the blockages you have put in her way. All right? All right? Otherwise, I'm not going to say, you understand. That's what I'm saying with this. Don't worry about where you're at. Worry about letting go of what's keeping you down. Everyone's Mm -hmm. trying to reach up, right? They've got anchors. They've kept all these anchors inside. If you will let go of those every single day to the best of your ability, you will be able to answer for yourself whether you can stay there all the time. Like there's always higher, all right? So I can't answer, (laughs) there's always higher. You just make sure that you are letting go of what's keeping you down and you will be the hot air balloon that goes up by itself.
1: Ah, I love that. Thank you, Michael Singer for sharing your wisdom and helping us to light our own way. Um, I have to ask you, have you been surprised by the power and influence that Untethered Soul has had in the world? Yes,
2: I think it's beautiful. It's like, and I think you helped a lot by the way, <laughs> all right, it, it it is helping millions
1: of people and that is very, very fulfilling. Yeah. And I thank you, I thank you for the part you played in that. Well. I'm, I was delighted to be a part of it and also to share it with as many people as possible. And one of the things you all can do actually is listen to another Super Soul podcast that I did several years ago about the Untethered Soul. It's the first time we ever talked about it. So I hope you all will do that because if you're on the spiritual path, if you're trying to open yourself up to new ways of discovering what it means to be a spiritual being, having a human experience here on earth, that book can help you do it. Untethered Soul and then Living the Untethered Soul. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Oprah. Bye-bye. Bye, bye, everybody. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation.
0: who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy
2: gem of a detour.